This is the Rundown. The Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the auction studio for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Mitch Vereldis behind the glass. Sarah Cazell, as always, dancing. This is how I know Sarah's a good friend. I feel like you hung around for an extra three minutes just to do that one dance move for the start of this show. That's true. That's be, it. Be honest. Is that why you got the job here in the first place, was to do that one dance move? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the right answer. That's what I'm, I wanted to hear. I'm just the, the station hype beast. That's they it. needed someone to inject life into the 6 p.m. hour. Wow. I thought that was my job. Sure yeah. isn't you, Luke. <laughs> Apparently it is not. Well, we need... We need, you're going to have to post a video of you dancing then on Twitter. It's the only way it's going to work. No? Eh, okay, we'll just get Mitch to, to film it next time. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. No. Well, it was a good start to the show, and it's all downhill from here. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you're that. You're welcome. That, see you guys. Uh, all right. See you. Um, that was Sarah Cassell. Mitch Vareld is behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. This is our, uh, we don't have a show tomorrow because of Big Red Rage. We don't have a show on Friday because the Diamondbacks are playing like eight games on Friday. So... This is our last chance to look ahead to Cardinals-Lions this weekend. And Mitch, feel free to dispute this. Uh, If you are listening, you can feel free to dispute this. You can always tweet into the show at Rundown987. But I would say of these three games coming up, Mm -hmm. where people are looking and saying, hey, it's possible the Cardinals could go 5-0, I would say that the game this weekend is the one they're most likely to lose. I'm pretty confident in that. Okay. I would argue Carolina. I w- only, yes, Christian McCaffrey is out, but that's still at least a complete team on both sides of the field. I, I would have said Carolina, and in fact, I you know, as I've been saying, I mean, I, I think this is a playoff team, but it's tough to win five games in a row at any stretch against any five teams. I would agree with you with Carolina, except the McCaffrey injury. Now, what you have with Carolina is you have the Cardinals going east, playing the early game. I do like Teddy Bridgewater. He's got more weapons uh, this year with Robbie Anderson uh, behind DJ Moore and everything. And so, I mean, Curtis Samuel, they've got guys they can throw to. New head coach, though, and, and no McCaffrey. I mean, he's he's such a big part of that team. I'm not saying, oh, if the Cardinals win this week, they're definitely going 5-0. and I'm just saying 5-0 and is certainly in play. And to me, the toughest matchup of these these next three games is the Detroit one for a few reasons. The fifth one is the Jets. I mean, that's <laughs> notice, notice neither one of us even brought that game up. The the Jets game is on the schedule. Yeah, and that's it, and that's about all they can offer. Um, and to be clear, I think the Cardinals win this week. I, I don't know how you pick against them right now unless they're playing a, a better team. But I, I think Detroit isn't as horrible as their their record maybe looks. Not a big Matt Patricia fan. Uh, I don't know any Lions fans who are, but they, he has at least seen Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury in an NFL game. Now, it was Murray's first game. It was Kingsbury's first game. It was, of course, the tie last year. And I will say right now, I do not want to tie on Sunday, please, and thank you in advance. But, I mean, if you recall, that was the game where the Cardinals could not stop TJ Hawkinson, and that sort of set the tone for the rest of the season. They could not stop any tight ends. Uh, now you have Devondre Campbell, among others. I would not expect Hawkinson to go off on Sunday the way he went off in that game last year. It was by far the best game of his career so far, and it was the first game of his career. But um, you have that. You have the 
intangible, and I guess this could almost go either way if it's if it's true. But there's this perception that Matt Patricia is on the hot seat, and if that's the case, zero and two. Do I think the Cardinals win and they and Detroit fires their coach on Monday? No, probably not. But you know, you are just because it's tough to change coaches midseason in the NFL. Like that doesn't spark you forward like it does in the NBA or the NHL. It really just messes up your whole team because you have to switch everything around midseason. Um, but if there is any sort of hey, we're playing for our coach, you know that that could work against the Cardinals, I guess. I mean, it's also possible they're so sick of Matt Patricia that they, they just aren't there anymore. It's interesting circumstances that they're going to have that opportunity to face coaches on the hot seat in back-to-back weeks. No, two out two of those of three. three weeks. Yeah, I keep forgetting the Jets is week five. Um, the other thing with Detroit is, is it four straight games dating back to last season? They've had double-digit leads, and they've lost them all. But that's at least a team that is capable of putting up points. They should get Kenny Galladay back this week. Um but it, I mean, he's still questionable. I, I know I mentioned this on Monday, and I was like, "It's possible Detroit doesn't have Galladay." And people are like, "He's he's definitely going to play." Like, I agree, he's probably going to play, but he is still listed as questionable. So if uh, if if he doesn't play, I a hundred percent Cardinals win. I think even if he does play, it's his first game back. But my point is just if you're looking at these next three games together. There are ways Detroit could beat the Cardinals. I, I don't know that there is a way the Jets beat the Cardinals unless the Cardinals just don't show up. And I, I don't think we're at that point with this team. We, we shouldn't be. They've won two games this season. I mean, that, that should never be a, a thought in this uh, in this group's mind that yeah, we don't need to show up for this, uh, this game and we're still going to win. But we can have that thought as fans and media members for sure. Um. Detroit at least has weapons on offense. They have a quarterback that was a former number one overall pick. And he, you know, Matthew Stafford's he's never going to win a Super Bowl, at least not hanging around in Detroit. But he's not a bad quarterback. The fact that they have jumped out on double-digit leads, into double-digit leads in each of the last four games, now, again, they can't hold them. And if the Cardinals are down 13-3 to in the second quarter on, on Sunday... This Arizona team is the sort of team that I look at and I'm like, they can come back. They've got that explosive offense. They could they could put up, you know, a quick touchdown run by Kyler Murray. Uh, Chandler Jones forces a fumble and they come back and they score again three minutes later. It's fun to have a team like that where you never really feel like you're out of a game within reason. You're down 24 points and obviously you're out of the game unless you're playing Atlanta. But, you know, in years past, two years ago, it was like, oh, the Cardinals are down by seven. It's over. Not the case anymore. So I, I don't want to see Detroit jump out to a, a 13-3 to lead on Sunday. But if they do, I'm still going to feel like the Cardinals can come back. And then on top of that, Detroit hasn't shown that they can hold those leads. So we'll see. It, you know, Like I said, I still I, I would expect the Cardinals to win. I'm going to be pretty disappointed on Monday if they don't. But I think Detroit is more of a middle-of-the-pack team than a potentially awful team, as their record indicates. If you look at their first two games, too, and take that for what it's worth, but they had Chicago beat. Now, the flip side is they let Mitch Trubisky bring Chicago back, so that's an issue. And they did have a lead on Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers seems to be on a, a another chip-on-the-shoulder tour. He's uh, he's pretty good at those, so we'll see. We'll get more into that game, certainly, throughout the evening and uh, here on 98.7 over the next couple days. It's great to have a football team 
that is a huge part of the national conversation. And that's absolutely the case with the Cardinals right now. Um, You know, even if they drop off a little bit, they're still going to be in the national conversation just because of Kyler Murray and the eyes he brings to this team. People nationally are watching this team, and they should be. But the national perception of of this team, it's fascinating to me because it's a little all over the place. We'll start some of this uh, audio is from yesterday, but we'll start with Dan Orlovsky since we didn't have a show yesterday uh, on Get Up with, uh, with Mike Greenberg talking about Kyler Murray. We're making a list of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. How far do we go before we get to his name? Uh, you're not. You're, you're probably getting close to staying on one hand. I mean, as far as just such a uh, difficult guy to play against. And here's the thing. He's the fastest player on the field more often than not. Yeah, and beyond that, here's uh, here's Greeny comparing him to a former Lion. And Kyler Murray, I'll tell you who Kyler Murray is. Kyler Murray, people are going to compare him to Michael Vick. He doesn't look anything like Michael Vick to me. People are going to compare him to Lamar Jackson. He doesn't look anything like Lamar Jackson to me. You know who he looks like? If Barry Sanders was a quarterback, he'd have been Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray runs like Barry Sanders. You watch him run. You remember watching Barry Sanders run? Kyler Murray runs like Barry Sanders, and he's a great quarter. He's a great thrower of the football. He's the closest thing to Steve Young. That, that's the best analogy to it. If Steve Young was five foot nine or whatever it is that Murray is, Murray is spectacular. The Cardinals are spectacular. Yeah, I actually kind of like the Barry Sanders comp more than Steve Young. Murray's faster than Steve Young, and also Steve Young has a Super Bowl. Like Steve <laughs> could, you, Hall of could you imagine if the Cardinals had drafted the quarterback that is essentially Steve Young and Barry Sanders combined? That's insane. Well, here's the thing. The the weeks leading up to the draft where the Suns took eight, and remember we were hearing all the hype of, oh, this is Shaq with a jump shot, and it's also kind of Will Chamberlain, it's David Robinson, who's but he's better than David Robinson, and then it's Hakeem. And the, the player that was being described would have no doubt been the greatest player in the history of not only the NBA, but of all sports, the way, the way Aiton was being hyped up. That was before he ever stepped on the court in an NBA game. We are now 18 games into Kyler Murray's career, now he's drawing comparisons to Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. It's not a comparison I ever expected to hear, but I, I kind of like it. Drawing comparisons to Steve Young. Uh, certainly Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, he's gotten those comparisons as well. But, I mean, that's the thing. And I'm not trying to pile on DeAndre Ayton here, but I'm just saying the the most encouraging thing with Kyler Murray is we're we're making these amazing comparisons to all-time greats the more he plays. Not to get hyped up before the draft pick or to get hyped up going into the season. The hype on Kyler Murray is much higher now than it was going into week one last season. Don't you agree? And it's justified now. Yeah, well, yeah, because, I mean, now this is hype based on what he's doing in this league. And even more so, he was playing that way when he was at Oklahoma. And the whole argument was, well, those those Big 12 quarterbacks, they play in those high-style offenses. There's no defense, so how is it going to change in the NFL? Well, it worked out for one of the Oklahoma quarterbacks, not necessarily the other one. Not, not necessarily big. But anything. that's just because that's who Kyler Murray is, and the way he has been able to adapt on offense, as along with Cliff Kingsbury, has been what has been his greatest success. Baker Mayfield is turning into the... Uh, have you seen the Hulu commercial where it's Baker Mayfield? And He's turning Saquon. into that deep fake of Baker Mayfield? Yeah, the, the little like average-bodied guy with Baker Mayfield's face. Well, the, the Saquon that got injured must have been the deep fake. Yikes. Yeah. Huh. 
Well, anyway, we don't have to worry about Baker Mayfield. It was good to have the number one pick in uh, 2019 and not 2018. Kyler Murray has uh, has absolutely exceeded expectations nationally, and we'll get in we'll get into Keyshawn and uh, and Gambo. Do you know the story, Mitch, with Keyshawn and Gambo? I learned of it yesterday. Right, we'll get into we'll recap that. I mean, it's from yesterday. We'll we'll get back into that later on in the show when we come back, though. I put this poll question out there, and I encourage you to vote uh, at Rundown nine eight seven because I really I do want a a genuine answer here from the sports fans in the Valley. But the question is, who is the biggest Arizona sports star right now in this city? And I gave you three options. We'll get into it next, but you can also write in a fourth if you want. Again, you can vote at Rundown987. You can tweet in the show at Rundown987. But we're going to discuss that next because I think it's a, a very legitimate argument through at least three of the athletes for very different reasons. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. We got a lot going on tonight around the world of sports. Celtics Heat, uh, D-backs already defeated Texas. Boy, I was at the game last night. Texas is missing some pieces. We'll uh, we'll get into that later on. Stanley Cup going on right now. Tampa Bay up on Dallas, three one in the second. Steven Stamkos made his playoff debut tonight. Scored a goal in the first, but uh, I believe did not come back out for the second. So I don't know what the uh, the full story is there. The poll question up on uh, Rundown987 on Twitter is, and Mitch, you have not seen the results, and I don't know your answer, so I'm going to ask you straight up, okay? Okay. The biggest star in Arizona sports right now is blank. Now, the options I gave you are Larry Fitzgerald, Kyler Murray, Devin Booker, and other. Kyler Murray. Yeah. So we did a Mock My World on Bickley and Murata, I don't know, like a month ago when I filled in, and... It, that was this was essentially what the topic was because my whole thing was I think it's a, at the time you couldn't go wrong with Murray or Booker now Fitzgerald if you're going big picture all time I mean he is the face of Arizona sports that's right. disputable um, but at the time so we did that and, and you know how mock my world works we each had four picks and I ended up with the first pick I took Kyler Murray I think Jarrett picked second took Devin Booker Sarah went third and took Larry Fitzgerald and then from there it's kind of personal preference beyond that. It's it all comes down to I guess what your definition of a star is. I mean, they have to be very good at what they do. Otherwise, you know, like like I think if Archie Bradley was still on the Diamondbacks, we would have we would have picked him in that draft, but probably like 16th, right? Yeah. I think he would have been taken regardless of position just because of who he is. Because yeah, because of that personality, because people, you know, to a certain extent, this is how many casual fans in Washington, D.C. or Miami or whatever are making sure they tune in to watch Devin Booker or Kyler Murray or Larry Fitzgerald. And Archie Bradley, I don't think they're tuning in to watch him, but they know who he is. He's kind of the face of the D-backs for a while there. To me, the answer is Kyler Murray. It's been the answer since last season because of what he has the potential to do and the position he plays in the sport he plays in. I love the NBA. I think the NBA does so many things that other leagues either don't do right or they don't do it as well as the NBA in terms of marketing, in terms of lo- just a lot of different things. Um, but Devin Booker, I don't even think he's hit his ceiling yet, and I don't, do not want to turn this into a, well, this is why Devin Booker's not as good as Kyler Murray, because I don't believe that. I just think when you're talking star power, Kyler Murray's an NFL quarterback. He has the potential to be one of the three or four faces of the NFL. Devin Booker certainly was one of the th- 
two or three faces of the bubble early on, and Devin Booker has established what he can do, and what and Kyler Murray hasn't really done it with 18 games now. So that's why I'm interested to see how people respond, because it's what your definition is. I mean, Larry, the results we have right now, Kyler's 57%, which is shocking to me. I actually thought Devin Booker would be winning or it'd be even. Fitz is second, and then Devin Booker is third. So right now it goes Kyler 57%, Fitz 21%, Devin Booker 11%. Uh, other has 9%, although nobody specified which other. But um, it's the point I'm making here is that it's really nice to have a couple players that you can legitimately put on this list, isn't it? Yeah, and two of them are the center of the entire team, Yeah, if you think about it. Because this the whole Suns team is built around Booker, and they actually look good for once, and they all complement him very, very well. And, you know, Kyler Murray runs the offense. And no disrespect to Fitz, he's definitely more a face, and he has clearly made it clear that he is the best wide receiver to play at the position just behind Jerry Rice. Yeah. But there's only so much that he is allowed to do when he doesn't always have the ball in his hands. I just, I guess what it, what this is showing me and what I like about this is if we had done this, uh, what, a year ago? year and a half ago? Devin Booker would have gotten 97% of the vote, and Fitz would have gotten like 3%. You know what I mean? Fitz, Fitz is bigger locally, obviously. Again, there's there's no disputing that Larry Fitzgerald is going to go down as the face of Arizona sports. All of them. All time. Right. But when you're talking in the moment, and you're talking about right now, if we had done this two years ago, Devin Booker would have gotten every vote that wasn't Fitz, because who else would you have really lobbied for? I mean, maybe Goldie would have gotten a few at the time, but the fact that you've now added a guy that can at least split the votes. That's just, just such a huge upgrade. Now you have two legitimate stars in the city. The yeah. fact that we're talking about stars in this city. Yeah. I mean, it was so long ago that it was Nash and Amari, and even when they got Shaq, like getting Shaq was a big deal because he's a very well-known name in the NBA. Yeah. It's just, that's it's, been a decade plus since there has been that star talent, it feels like. And these are both homegrown talent. I mean, you draft Kyler Murray. The Suns drafted Devin Booker. And these are two of the biggest names in their respective sports. So it, it's it's an interesting debate. I find it interesting that a month ago people were like, you really took Kyler Murray over Devin Booker? It's like the position he plays. But that's not so interesting to me. I sort of expected that because Booker is an established star. What's interesting to me now is it's completely flipped after two games. I mean, this is... Kyler has been better in these first two games than he was certainly the first two games last year, but isn't this kind of what we all expected him to be? I mean... It's what we all hoped for. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's great to have that debate. And like I said, there's not a wrong answer, which is which is outstanding. There's not a wrong answer among the three I gave you. You could certainly write in with an other that would be the wrong answer uh, if you wrote in, like, well, Dragon Bender's not here anymore. It's, you know, that's the one di- downside to not having Dragon Bender here anymore is we really can't... We can't really make fun of him or use him as an example in situations like this. Well, like, we can because he's can. not here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there he goes. You can vote at Rundown987. And um, the the other thing, Kyler Murray, I mean, he's going to continue to trend up. But uh, still, still not rated very high on Madden. NFL news. Really weird story out of L.A. Tyrod Taylor was supposed to start on Sunday, and then all of a sudden he wasn't, and Justin Herbert was starting. And if you remember, the report was just kind of, oh yeah, Tyrod Taylor has a chest injury. And you know how Sunday mornings are. 
if you play fantasy football, which I'm pretty sure everybody does at this point, you know, if you play it competitively at all, you're scrambling to to make sure you have guys in that aren't injured at the very least at the last second at you know nine forty five in the morning on on Sunday morning. So you kind of just get this flood of all these different guys that are in or out with injuries. And I like Tyrod Taylor. I thought he was a decent quarterback in Buffalo. I thought he was a decent quarterback in Cleveland before he got hurt. And I, I still think he's a decent quarterback. But you know nobody's got him on uh, starting for their fantasy team. But you still heard that, and you're like, oh, chest injury. And if you're like me, my reaction was like, that's weird. I don't remember him having a chest injury like two days ago. I know mean, he had the, the cracked ribs, but not like something that was going to keep him out. We come to find out today that apparently Chargers doctor, this is a horrible story, punctured Taylor's lung, giving him a painkilling injection before the game. And... I. Do you remember a story like this ever? No. Mitch, this is so weird. It's so weird. The fact that it's one of their esteemed staff members, too, when it comes to taking care of these players. Yeah. That's... Also, where are you taking an injection for a painkiller that has to be anywhere near your lungs? Granted, I've never had that experience before. Well, I think I think it was cracked ribs, wasn't it? Right. Have you ever had cracked ribs? No. no it is not o- fun. Only uh, fall off the bone ribs. Okay. Well, that's the better way to go about yeah. it. Yeah. So you are a smarter man than I, because I have had cracked ribs. And I'm not, not that smart, but... Well, I didn't say you were smart. I just said you were a smarter <laughs> man than I. Just a, a terrible story. And now it's it's going to get so awkward there, because Herbert came in and played really well. If you recall, this was the hard knock season with the Browns a couple years ago. Like, Taylor was... Tyrod Taylor was decent to uh, start things out. He got hurt. They went to Baker Mayfield. And look, Tyrod Taylor knew all along when they drafted Justin Herbert that big picture, Herbert's going to be the starting quarterback for the Chargers. But Taylor goes out there, plays well against Cincinnati, and if he loses his job permanently because of something like this, I mean, we don't know all the details, but if it, if it is as simple as, yeah, he was getting a painkilling injection, the team doctor punctured his lung, Herbert comes in, has a great game, and, and he's the starter for the rest of time now, that's like, that's horrible. That's that's taking a, an awful story and making it even worse, just on a human level, like Guy just cannot catch a break, Tyrod Taylor, in terms of, of getting to, to start a few games for a team in a season. Remember back when he was on Buffalo? Like, Buffalo wasn't good back then. Tyrod Taylor really wasn't bad. He was not the problem. He got that team to the playoffs for the first time in, what was it, multiple decades? Yeah. I mean, he got paid, so you don't need to follow, feel that bad for him. He definitely got paid by the Bills. But he got that, paid because he was good, but the yeah. Bills just wanted to move in a different direction. But even that was weird. Remember, there was like a weird injury settlement at the end there. Like, it was just, it was very strange. Uh, there's a lot of NFL news, but the other one I'm going to throw out there just because it, it pertains directly to the Cardinals. Kyle Shanahan saying Jimmy Garoppolo, who's dealing with the sprained uh, ankle, Probably won't play Sunday against the Giants, which means Nick Mullins would step in and be the quarterback. The uh, the 49ers, it's weird through two games. I mean, they they lost to the Cardinals by four. It's not like they got blown out in that game. And they won last week. But it feels like they're hanging on by a thread, doesn't it? Just because so many of their players have gotten hurt. The win last week was over the Jets. I mean, you feel like most teams... And they've they got try. the Giants this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a very favorable schedule as well. But they are also without their team. That yeah, that's the thing. I mean, at a certain point, if it's just guys wearing the 49ers uniforms, 
you'll still beat the Jets that way, but I don't know that you're going to beat some of these. Like they got Philadelphia coming up next week. I don't know what to make of the Eagles yet, but they've got Seattle twice. They've got LA twice. They've got the Cardinals one more time at the end of the year. You got the Patriots, Green Bay, New Orleans mixed in there as well. Dallas. I mean, they're going to have some of these guys back by then. And as I keep saying, I, I don't, I don't think the downgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo to Nick Mullins, who would be the starter on Sunday if, if Garoppolo can't go, I don't think that sinks the 49ers. But when you couple that with no Raheem Mostert and uh, you know all these different players, George Kittle potentially, it sounds like Kittle may go, but still. And no Nick Bosa, no Solomon Thomas, uh, yeah, no Tevin Coleman. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, and it is. It's, it's on that same turf. It's the same field. They've just been hanging out on the East Coast waiting to play that game, and Kyle Shanahan already mentioned how much he hated that turf after Sunday's game. And so now they're, I mean, do they risk a George Kittle, or do they just say, hey, George, sit one week, we'll bring you back because we're going to need you to carry us the rest of the season? I don't know. All right, a lot of football. When we come back, though, we are going to talk baseball. We'll get you an update on what happened today with the D-backs and a couple interesting quotes from Mike Hazen earlier this morning on 98.7 FM to uh, to kind of look ahead to 2021. D-backs only have four games left this season, so we have nothing to do with them right now except look ahead to 2021. How different is this team going to uh, to look next season? We may have got a little insight into that. We'll get into it next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. Arizona Diamondbacks have already knocked off the Texas Rangers today by a final of 7-3. to three. It was an afternoon game at Chase Field. Carson Kelly, 2-for-4, a couple more RBI. Wyatt Matheson, uh, two home runs in this game. His first two home runs, I believe. And um, Tim LaCastro had a home run as well. D-backs end up sweeping that quick two-game series with the Rangers. They won 7-0 last night. I wasn't at the game today, but I was at the game last night, and a couple of things stood out there. Texas, that is a team that uh, that lineup, that lineup is missing some pieces that right sure now. sure is a baseball team out there. <laughs> they all had matching uniforms. There's no denying that. Uh, but the D-backs, Arizona's actually won seven of their last 12. I mean, that's not like anything amazing. Oh, good. Just in time for the... Pl- mm. Yeah. Wait, just Never in time mind. to watch the playoffs. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Twenty-two and thirty-four on the season. Obviously, a very disappointing year. Um, Carson Kelly has started to hit better here over the last couple weeks. He's still only hitting two hundred seven for the season. They got Cattell Marte back yesterday. He, he went one for four yesterday, one for five today. Just good to have Cattell Marte back. This is Tori Lavello on with Burns and Gambo. Why the rush to bring Marte back when you are out of the playoffs already? This is what Cattell Marte stands on. He wanted to get back into this environment, show his teammates that no matter what the circumstances were towards the end of the season, he wants to play and go out there and win and get better piece by piece. I think that's that's why he's a special player. I know he wasn't having the type of year he was he was having last year. Excuse me, type of year he was having last year. But he doesn't let that impact him. He just wants to go out there and continue to build on the numbers that he's already had and kind of set a standard, a standard of toughness that we have, we believe in here, a standard of I'm going to go out there no matter what the circumstances are, even though we aren't in a race, and I'm going to give my best effort. And that's that's the main reason why I'm not surprised one bit that he's back. Yeah, I can tell you I was I was on the Zoom call that, that Tori Lovello did before and then the one after the game yesterday too, but the one before he was – you could tell he was just very proud of Cattell for what he just said right there to Burns and Gambo of, you know, this guy could have easily said, look, man, I, I was an MVP candidate last year. I'm still, he was hitting 289 coming into today. I mean, that's dropped a little bit. He's, he's not having anywhere near the same season, certainly, but he's still decent. 
but then he has that injury. He could have easily said, yeah, you know what? This wrist inflammation, it's going to hold me out one more week. This season's over anyway. I just want to go into the offseason. I'm done. And instead, he took that tact of, I, no, I'm going to come back. I'm going to play a few games before the end of the season. You know, this happened with Luke Weaver at the end of last season. It was a much more serious injury. But I remember Lavello saying in, in the days leading up to the, the last game that, you know, Weaver came back and pitched, I think it was two innings right at the end of the season. And I've had this conversation with a lot of former and current pro athletes now where they're like, there's, there's something so big about coming back before the end of the season because it alters what your offseason is. Your offseason mentally is not, I'm still rehabbing from this injury. Your offseason then becomes, it shifts and it becomes, no, I'm just preparing for next year now or next season because you've already come back and play a, played a few games. You know, again, Cattell's injury was not so serious where if he had gone into the offseason, it would have been like, oh, I hope he's okay next year. But it does say something that he wanted to come back here and play these final few games. As far as next season, well, Mike Hazen was on with Doug and Wolf, actually before this, Riley Smith, last night. He, I wrote this in the, in the piece on uh, ArizonaSports.com. He pitched five innings in relief last night, no runs allowed. 59 pitches to get through those five innings, 47 of them strikes. I mentioned that Texas is missing some pieces, but... He Riley Smith has been one of the bright spots this season for the D-backs, and I know there haven't been a lot. David Peralta's hitting two ninety seven right now, so he's hovering around three hundred. I mean, I guess that's that's a bright spot. I, I don't know that that's necessarily a shock. He's hit three hundred before, but Riley Smith is a rookie who, if you recall, his first game against Colorado, he got touched up a little bit. He only ended up getting uh, tagged with the the two earned runs, but he got hit pretty hard in that that outing. Now he's 2-0, and he's got a 1-6-5 ERA, and, and last night was just masterful the way he pitched to get through the, uh, the, the last five innings of that game. It was Caleb Smith and Riley Smith combining for the shutout for the D-backs in that one. So if you're the eternal optimist and you're a baseball fan here locally and you're looking for reasons to be excited about next year, I don't know that you get excited about a middle reliever, but Riley Smith, I think he could be something for this team. Um, to Mike Hazen, though, I'm with Doug and Wolf this morning. You know, he ruffled some feathers, I think, when he essentially alluded to the fact around the trade deadline this team wasn't going anywhere and he needed to start to look towards the future. Mitch, I know you, you're you not a huge fan of, of them sort of trading away some pieces at the deadline. Nick Ahmed certainly was not a fan of that. Right. But, uh, so, you know, I don't know that anybody looked at that and was like, oh, Mike Hazen doesn't believe in this team anymore because the trade deadline was like five weeks into the season. But uh, still probably good if you're a Diamondbacks fan to hear this. And I, I still believe in this group of players. I, I do. I think it's a good group of baseball players. I think we have a lot of good components to this team. But for whatever reason, it, it, it didn't come together the way we had hoped. And that's on me to, with the guys that we have in the front office and the, and the coaching staff, to figure it out and fix it. See, I don't know where you come out on this. I agree that it's on Mike Hazen to fix it. I don't know that it's on Mike Hazen that they had the season they had. I do think there was just an element of this was a weird season. It was a short season. Not an excuse. They messed this up collectively. But I'm saying when you start to look towards next year, are you looking at this team and saying, we got to tear it all down because they, they had a bad six weeks? And that's essentially what it was. They, they got out of the gate slow. They pushed back a little bit. They went into a slump that you can't get out of in a nine-week season. The last couple weeks, they've you know they've been decent. They've been slightly above 500. Underachieved at every part of this season, but I don't know that you blow it up because you had a bad nine-week season. That's kind of why I'm frustrated with it, too. 
Yeah. It, it goes back to the Giants' 2018 season, I want to say, is what it was. They they really weren't the team that they used to be the prior start of the decade, but they went out and got Andrew McCutcheon from the Pirates, and they got Evan Longoria from the Rays. And I remember thinking to myself, if this is their definition of going for it, I think they're going about it the wrong way. <laughs> Unless it was 2009, but yeah. Well, I, I made the joke, like, this is the best team in 2012. Yeah. Which is funny because they won the Super the World Series anyway. That's true. But they went about trying to build a contender the wrong way because they got guys that were, you know, past their prime of their careers. Starling Marte's not past the prime of his career. Yeah. And they punted on him. We, we talked about this before the show, and we can get back into it later on in the show as well. Starling Marte is the one they traded away at the deadline that I was like, okay, that's you giving up on the season. I, I think... Andrew Chafin had been so up and down. Robbie Ray was getting dealt no matter what. I understand what Archie Bradley meant to the fan base, but to me, Archie Bradley on some level is at least replaceable if you if you you know do your homework. But uh, I'm talking about what he does on the field. They I still think they need a vocal personality in that locker room. That, that Archie Bradley brought a lot of other good things to the table. But uh, but Starling Marte was the one. It's like you can't make that trade and justify that you're still going for it this year. And they and they didn't. I mean, Mike Hazen made it pretty clear, which is what frustrated Nick Ahmed. We can get back into this later on in the show, though, because you have a core. And are you going to stick with that core for next year, or do you think there's real problems? Okay, back to Cardinals now. Kyler Murray talking about his expectations for DeAndre Hopkins. I envision greatness, um, just like I said, like he does. So uh, I feel like he can have a great year. Um, you know, for as many years as we're together, I feel like, uh, you know, as long as we put the work in, uh, it should be hard to stop. Um, that's just how I feel. That connection between those two has been amazing f- since the first time they stepped on the field together, which was like 10 days ago. Um what was interesting, though, is in that game, there was thought as it happened when Kyler Murray threw that interception that maybe somebody ran the wrong route. And that's Kyler's only interception through these two games. I mean, it would have been easy for us to never truly know whose fault it was. I mean, you can watch the film and kind of be like, eh, it looks like it looks like DeAndre Hopkins may have run the wrong route, which would make sense. It's only a second game with the Cardinals. But he flat out said it. He, he's, he came to his quarterback's defense yesterday. I know that resonated well with Cliff Kingsbury, Here's Kyler Murray's reaction. Yeah, I told him to tell you all that because he did run the wrong route. But no, nah, it's, it's all good. That's just uh, that's something that we both got to be on the same page about. Uh, obviously frustrating at the time, but uh, I mean, you know, looking back on it, it's an area where, you know, he, he this is week two. Uh, we haven't had a lot of time together. We just got to be better and we will be better. Yeah, uh, it's that's the scary thing. If you are a fan of another team in this division or in the NFC or whatever, this this duo should only get better. And uh, it's just it's, it is funny that DeAndre Hopkins of all people is the one that ran the wrong route. But um, yeah, not to it's almost a it's almost a bigger deal. Well, he's new he came here. Out he's still trying to figure out the playbook. <laughs> he's, he's just a new guy. They recently got him, and I don't we're know. gonna have to wait and see how this works. Yeah, no, I, don't I, don't, I don't I don't know. We just have to be patient. He just. He's setting a personal best in receptions in a game. Like, I don't know. He's only on pace for 176 catches this year. I don't know if that's going to be He's only enough. got one touchdown. Yeah, I, what is that? This, is, this was a pathetic trade. All I'm these sorry. other players in the NFL that have more than one touchdown. Yeah, lest we forget, um, 
DeAndre Hopkins a pretty big part of that Kyler Murray development here in these first two games as well. I'll tell you what, I could have put DeAndre Hopkins on there as a poll, uh, one of the answers on the poll question for who the biggest star uh, in Arizona is right now. That's I'm guessing what anybody that's voting other, I'm guessing he's a lot of those others, is uh, is DeAndre Hopkins at this point. But to your point earlier, Mitch, that's that's an established star that you brought in. Like, you will do it. That's not bringing in Shaq at the end of his career or some of these other guys where it's like, hey, this guy had a great career. Emmett Smith was amazing, and now he's a Cardinal for a half of a season. It's bringing in a guy at his peak. Yeah. Or not even his peak. We don't even know how much more room to grow D-Hop has. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, He apparently is still trending upwards, and he seems like he has that nice mix of either something to prove he feels like or just so happy to be in a new environment that he's kind of been set free getting out of Houston. That's just my perception. I've obviously never played for the Houston Texans, but didn't seem like DeAndre what? Hopkins. Retroactively, it doesn't seem like he was real happy there. I mean, probably having to do with either the prior ownership when he had his very racist comments before he passed away and then the way Bill O'Brien's been handling contracts, but did he really have it bad? He had a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson. For two years, though. But he still had him. Yeah, but for the first five years, he had nothing, as yeah. we detailed on the show. He had a variety of nothing. No, I look, I never heard DeAndre Hopkins complaining when he was in Houston. That would have made things a lot different. And if you recall, he kind of got dragged into it after the, the trade, although I did like, what was his tweet the other night? Houston lost on Thursday night against Kansas City in the opener. And Hopkins, I'm sure this was just coincidental Thankful. timing. Yeah, like the second the game ended. <laughs> Didn't say anything about Houston. Was just it could have been just thankful for the Thursday. It could have been a thankful Thursday. We don't thankful. Know. I was on Jimmy Fallon's show. Yeah, any number of things. But uh, it does seem like he's very happy. He's he's not there now after the fact. All right. When we come back, are we getting Pac-12 football this season? We should have an answer very soon. We'll discuss it next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> Okay, well, all indications are that we should have an answer tomorrow as to if we are going to have Pac-12 football in 2020, and there's only three months left in 2020. And if so, when is that starting? What is the schedule going to look like? It seems that uh, we are likely to get Pac-12 football, and it's likely to start either Halloween or November 7th. If it's the 7th, then it'll be a seven-game season. If it's the 31st, it'll be an eight-game season. I mean, there's some some wiggle room in here, but that that's just that's that's what it appears. What what I find interesting, and I'm always going to throw this this uh, disclaimer out there. I went to ASU. I am a Pac-12 fan, but come on, man, our conference hasn't been in the in the playoff in years. And do I think on a couple of those occasions the Pac-12 got a little disrespected? Yeah, probably. But this conversation that's being had right now of okay, well, you know, if the Pac-12 can get in seven games or eight games, then they'll be in the in the national playoff conversation. Really? Like, what makes you think that? You think they're going to take a seven and zero Pac-12 team over a ten and two SEC team? There's no way. There's absolutely no way. Fair or not, the Pac-12 has has dug itself this hole where they are going to need to prove to the selection committee that they're not sort of on their own slightly lower level. I don't believe that they are, 
But that's what they they need non-conference games more than any of these Power 5 conferences right now. Oregon's clearly the best team. I actually think ASU in a seven-game schedule, I want to see who they're playing. But if they're playing seven Pac-12 schools, Jaden Daniels, loaded defense, talent-wise. Now they got to find somebody to replace Eno Benjamin and Brandon Ayuk. But it would not shock me in a seven-game season if ASU went 7-0. and It wouldn't shock me. I would pick it, but it wouldn't shock me. They at least, they're one of the teams in the conference, I should say, that's capable of doing it this year. They were 5-1 and one to start last year. Uh, but if they go 7-0, and oh, I'm not expecting them to make the national championship playoff game, or uh, playoff, the 14 playoff. I'm just, I'm not, because I've seen this before with other teams that have a, a, a more rich history go up against SEC teams that didn't have as good of a resume, and those teams get in. Well, it's fascinating because I feel like the only one that gets any national respect, whether they're bad, terrible, worse, whatever, or even national recognition, that's USC. And Oregon. But USC played Alabama last year, didn't they? Um, I don't remember USC schedule. The college Just football off feels the top like of my head, I'm trying ago. to think of the times or how often it is. Because or- I remember Oregon playing Auburn recently. Yeah. But how often does a Pac-12 school actually get an out-of-conference game against a solid other Power 5 conference team? No disrespect to Michigan State. Well, but, but Ohio State. Uh, Michigan State uh, Michigan State is not Alabama, but there are years where Michigan State is... is you know, a, a pretty good team. USC didn't play Alabama last year. USC's out of conference schedule last year, which is Fresno State, Stanford, and BYU. I'm trying to think of who you are thinking of. I, I know Oregon. Maybe it was two yeah. years ago. Oregon has, has, I mean, look, I'm just dealing in the reality. That's just the easier way to do it, is the Pac-12 to get back into the playoff, they're going to have to have a big win over a non-conference. Some team in the Pac-12 is probably honestly going to have to go undefeated. It doesn't feel like a one-loss Pac-12 team in a normal season is getting in unless a lot of things break their way because, if fair or not, people look at the SEC and they're like, well, a two-loss team from the SEC is better than a one-loss team from the Pac-12. It's like it's like when you're going to apply for jobs out of college and they're like, well, um, do you have any experience? And you're like, uh, no, because nobody will hire me until I have experience. So, like, it's always my favorite. The system seems flawed. Uh, but that's sort of what it is now for the Pac 12. They're going to have to have, they're going to have to have a team that goes on a run one season where it's just undeniable that they need to be in the playoff. They're going to need to go 12 and 0, and they're going to need to have a nice win over Ohio State or whoever in non conference. The way the schedule is, is going to be set up this year, they're not going to have any non conference games. So they're just not going to be able to prove that. If a team goes 7 and 0, yeah, they should be in the discussion, but people are going to look, and I'm telling you, they're going to look and say, well, they just beat seven other Pac-12 schools. That's what's going to happen. I'm still excited for the season. I still want it to come back. I do still want to see ASU potentially make a, a, a nice run in the conference, and who knows? I mean, if you set it up where you can have a Rose Bowl game or whatever. Like, I, ASU in particular, you can't have this, this season just disappear because it is a waste of a year of Jaden Daniels, and you haven't had a quarterback like this in a long, long time. So we should uh, we should find out tomorrow, hopefully. ESPN has a story out looking at the biggest surprise for every NFL team. And then they they go through and they say, is this uh, is this legit? Is this like a surprise through the first two games? But now that we've seen the first two games, this is going to stick. 
or it's just a it's a mirage and it's going to go away. Mitch, why don't you give me a random NFL team so we can use an, an example here? Buccaneers. Oh, that's, wow, that's weird. You said I, random. No, but that's exactly what I have it on on the screen. Okay, perfect. Then this was totally planned, it's, and we... The the biggest surprise they have is Rob Gronkowski's lack of production. So I'm just giving an example of what... Okay. Are you really surprised Rob Gronkowski isn't producing? He has to get thrown the ball. He's like half the size he used to be. He, you know, he was in the WWE. He had to drop to a certain weight class to even participate. Yeah, I guess. Also, he's been out of the league for a whole year. Yeah, and he was just, yeah, I don't know. And, I mean, granted, I'll give him this. He's only, what, 30, 29? Yeah, but So he took a year off and came back, but, but he, he he's always, smaller. Yeah, eh. some, there are years where he played where he took a year off, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> like, he was injured. <laughs> yeah, injured or, at, you know, at the club. I mean, it's Rob Gronkowski on a, on a party boat. It's very productive when he played. And I think it helped to be in New England, certainly. I mean, he's one of the best tight ends when he was playing that I've ever seen. But I feel like he retired because he was done playing football, and he just sort of came back because Brady was in town. And he's like, yeah, why not? I- I'm not shocked. I mean, he's, he's only on producing. what? He's only on a one-year deal, right? Yeah. So this is this is probably just, if we could make it, and if we could go all the way, fantastic. You get your seventh, and I get my, uh, I don't even know, whatever ring. Maybe four? And then I can just go on and do whatever I want. I'm 30 years old. I'm going to spend the next 60 years of my life just enjoying it. He's, that sounds pretty good to me. He's already in, in Florida. Look, I guarantee you Rob Gronkowski, whether they win a Super Bowl this year or not, and they're not going to, is going to spend the next 60 years of his life uh, enjoying it. He's 31, yeah. So there you go. Um, here's the teams in the NFC West, The the what ESPN considers the biggest surprise for each of them so far. I'll start with the Seahawks. Biggest surprise, Seahawks pass rush has statistically been worse than it was last season. Uh, yeah, I know a lot of Seahawks fans having grown up in Seattle, and they are very concerned about their pass rush. ESPN has that labeled a, a mirage, but I can tell you Seahawks fans believe that might be real. 49ers, biggest surprise, the sheer amount of bad luck the 49ers have had, they call that a mirage too. It, look, the 49ers and Broncos, we've talked about this on the show, have been hit so hard by the injury bug, more so than any other teams, in a season where everybody's getting hit by the injury bug. So... You can call that a mirage, but it doesn't bring those players back. It's a fluke. I will give you that. But that doesn't change the fact that they're probably playing without Jimmy G and Solomon Thomas and possibly George Kittle and Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman and Nick Bosa on Sunday. Uh, the Rams' biggest surprise and improved defense under first-year coordinator Brandon Staley. What they is the that Broncos? As Just to real. get another random one. Oh, well, now i got to scroll all the way back up and... Uh... I don't. Whoever put the whoever used the computer before me has the font on like seventy five. Um, I will get to the Broncos here in a second. Okay, it's uh, Noah Fant leading the team in catches, receiving yards, and touchdowns. Well, they had they the like him though. They wouldn't have drafted him in the first round if they didn't think highly of him. <laughs> I would hope not. That'd be a really weird draft strategy. Mm. We hate this guy. Let's take him in the first. You round. know what I mean? No, that's look. I mean, there are teams I think that do that and. You know, he was Drew Locke's favorite target, and now I think he's going to be Jeff Driscoll's or <laughs> Blake Bortles. Oh, his don't. favorite target. We have a strict no Blake Bortles rule on this show until absolutely necessary. I, <sighs> Blake Bortles, man. Uh, for the Cardinals here, real quick before we hit the break. Their biggest surprise is Kyler Murray's sacks are down by 37.5%, and they say their verdict is that it's real. Uh, I would agree, it just in the, the, the broad overarching theory, that Kyler Murray is going to get sacked less this year than he did last year and going forward. The offensive line, I think, is is better. Another year under Kugler. He already kind of got them turned around last year. 
but also we saw this. There were a lot of times where Kyler Murray was kind of feeling pressure in the pocket last year, and he and if he didn't break off a 10, 15-yard run, he would just kind of just slide, avoid the hit, take the sack last year. We all knew what was going on by you know week 9, 10, 11. They weren't making the playoffs, so preserve your quarterback as he learns the ropes of the NFL, and, and that's a good thing. That self-preservation is huge. He comes into this season healthy. Look at what he's doing. But as they get into more and more meaningful games, and when you start 2-0, and you're in meaningful games, you really, all of the Cardinals games the rest of the season should be meaningful, right? 2-0, and you should be, at the very least, in playoff contention the whole way. And I think they are a playoff team, so that would make all the rest of these games meaningful. He's not going to take sacks like that. It's, just, it's, it's a completely different season. Now it's like self-preservation is still the most important thing, I don't want Kyler Murray being like, hey, I can get two more yards, but I'm going to risk being out for two weeks. Just leave the two yards there. We'll get him on the next play. But at the same time, he's going to take a few more chances because every yard matters if every game matters. And and that's what it looks like this season is going to be for the Cardinals. And uh, it's one of the benefits of being 2-0. So I would agree. Uh, expect the sacks to stay down for, for a variety of reasons. I mean, he also has... Th- more weapons to throw to, and he doesn't have David Johnson missing blocks. All right, we come back. Hour number two of the show. I want to go back to the national perception of the Cardinals and how it hit home on this station yesterday. In case you missed it, we'll get into that next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Hour number two of the show live from the Oxygen Community Studios. Mitch, I think you were thinking of the USC Alabama game that was supposed to be this year, right? Because I'm going back. Was it supposed to be this to be, year? I'm at 2016 is the last time I had them playing. I know Oregon was supposed to play Ohio State too. Yeah, because I have friends from Oregon or that went to Oregon that were going to go to uh, the Horseshoe. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Doesn't it feel, at least to me, I'm I'm a bigger NFL guy than college guy. I've always been this way. But in terms of going to a game or like going to going on a road trip to see your team play, that's a bigger deal for me for college by far. Oh There's yeah, just all these iconic stadiums. I've never really traveled to see the Cardinals play. I've traveled to see ASU play, and I've been let down most times. Also, when are you ever going to go to Columbus? Yeah, when are you going to go to Columbus, Ohio? When are you going to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan, or Tuscaloosa, Alabama? When are you going to go to those places other than for? The college football atmosphere. Not only that, when you say Columbus, Ann Arbor, or Tuscaloosa, you immediately think of their football teams above all else. You don't think of anything else? No. I, I couldn't like, tell you anything else they do in Ann Arbor. East Lansing. Uh, Michigan do you think State. Of, do you think of the Spartans? Yeah. I think of 13-7 football games when I hear East Lansing. <laughs> this would be a fun word association. So I anyway. only brought up that because Luke Robbins was just in here. That's but. <laughs> He's he's like in that spot where he's not to his car yet, so there's no way he heard you say that. So you're like in the safe yeah. zone where you. Did yeah, I'm it. good. Okay. I'm good. He doesn't listen to this station anyway, so How it's fine. Dare him, uh, Keyshawn Johnson. So we were talking about this earlier in the show, the national perception of the Arizona Cardinals, and this stuff it always fascinates me when one of the local teams is good. How how quickly can the national media catch on? Because we are kind of. You know, you talk to somebody that grew up in Chicago or Boston, Philadelphia, whatever. I mean, those cities, sports-wise, they are they're concerned with their own teams or the teams they hate around them. You know what I mean? But when they think West Coast, they think L.A. And, you know, depending on the sport, maybe San Francisco, Golden State, whatever. They don't really give a lot of thought to the Arizona teams unless they had ties here. 
But when you have a player like Kyler Murray that forces sports fans across the NFL to pay attention to the Cardinals. So it's it's going to be an interesting season just in that regard. We already saw it in the offseason with the hype that was building around uh, Kyler and then, of course, the DeAndre Hopkins trade and everything. So I played a couple of the clips from Get Up with Dan Orlovsky and Mike Greenberg uh, from his show earlier. This is Jay Williams doing the show with Keyshawn Johnson. And he said, this Cardinals team, and obviously Jay Williams is not, no, he's not here. He doesn't have the emotion invested in it that we do, that we want to see them go 5-0. and He said flat out, yeah, they're going to, be start, they're going to start this season 5-0, and so get used to it. The Lions at the Panthers at the Jets. They will be 5-0. and how about that? And then we'll be seeing if they're real or not. The Lions, you never know. Matt Patricia might pull something out, a rabbit out the hat. Okay. You never know. Um, then Keyshawn went on to say this. They're the six, seven game win type team. Although, even though they got two under their belt already, I like, I like the fact that their offense is high octane, explosive. But when you look at the time of possession on this team, it certainly makes me scratch my head. Uh, I like Kyler Murray within this system. Okay, I like what he does within the system. Long term, I don't think the Arizona Cardinals are made for the NFL to make a run because when you start running up against the Rams and Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey against DeAndre Hopkins and you take that weapon away or you start running up against Russell Wilson in Seattle or some of these other teams that you've got to face that have a little more umph on the defensive side of the ball, we'll certainly see. Now, Kyler Murray, it took Kyler Murray to the end of that game against the San Francisco 49ers to pull a Houdini act to score a touchdown for them to win. Week one. In week one. And then they play Washington. Stop, man. Stop. Yeah. I, I like Keyshawn. I don't really understand where he's going here. It, it doesn't feel like he has watched them play yet. I mean, what sort of argument is Kyler Murray had to pull the win over San Francisco out at the last minute? What? They won the game. They beat San Francisco in San Francisco. All of these players that are hurt on San Francisco's defense were not hurt for that game. Not a lot of teams are going to blow San Francisco out in San Francisco. Remember when they were in the Super Bowl last year? That's not a knock on Kyler Murray. That should be a positive. That should show that they are built for the long haul in the NFL. Until the Cardinals beat the Rams, yes, the Rams are going to worry me because they've had Arizona's number since Sean McVay took over and a lot of the games have been blowouts. But I think they're going to split with them this year. I think the Cardinals are. I don't understand the argument that the Keyshawn made right there of, you know, how are they going to beat a team like the Rams when they go up? Well, they just beat San Francisco. And the thought that, yeah, Kyler Murray works within this system, but he might not work as well in another system. Who cares? He's in this system. That's why the Cardinals drafted him. Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time if Cleveland drafts him? I'm guessing probably not. He doesn't have the it, he doesn't have the Super Bowls. You know what I mean? Like we could play the what if game, whatever. Kyler Murray's on the Cardinals. This team is two and zero. They deserve to be two and zero. To Jay Williams' point, the next three teams they're playing, they should beat each of them. Maybe they go four and one instead. Three and two would be a bit of a disappointment considering the caliber of teams they're playing. Five and zero is absolutely on the table, and I do not understand. And this ultimately turned into Keyshawn and Gambo making a bet for charity. I think the final number was five hundred dollars going to the, the charity of the other's choice. Keyshawn has seven wins or under. Gambo has eight wins or more. I don't know how you can look at this Cardinals team and say they're already 2-0. and So they've only got to go, what, six and eight the rest of the way to get to eight wins? And they look like a 2-0 and team and take the under. 
I kind of agree with what Gambo tweeted out. I don't think Keyshawn's watched them very closely yet. Keyshawn's making it a grand if the Cardinals win the division, too. I mean, I like that. that that's cool. I, 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 I like that, that Keyshawn heard what was going on. It was like, yeah, let's get involved. Let's make this for charity. Like I said, I like Keyshawn Johnson, and I, I tend to, to really I like his show. But I don't understand the stance of, yeah, you know, the Cardinals, they've only beat Washington and San Francisco. Those are the teams on the schedule, and San Francisco's really good. Yeah, like, what do you mean, only yeah. San Francisco? I, I don't know. What they they weren't injured when they played the Cardinals. No. They they lost Kittle midway through, and I, I look, I get that they didn't have Debo Samuel. That shouldn't be enough to swing a game for you. It, it shouldn't. It'd be nice. I, I If you're San Francisco, I'm sure you're like, it'd be nice to have Debo Samuel. Yeah, it would have. But... I don't think the Cardinals won that game because Debo wasn't there. If the Cardinals played them this week and beat them, and they don't have any of their running backs or anybody on defense and probably not their starting quarterback, okay, well, we can have a conversation. But they didn't. They went in there and beat them in their stadium with their defense intact, essentially. That's that's an impressive win. You can't take that away from this team. Uh, one of the things that we talked about with Cliff Kingsbury that became apparent pretty early last season was his ability to adjust. And as we had seen the previous year, the Cardinals just couldn't adjust. It was one of the most maddening things. They would go into halftime in 2018, and they would come out the same team. Whatever wasn't working still wouldn't work. And whatever was working, the other team would probably adjust to it, and then that wouldn't work either. We saw even in Game 1 last year against Detroit, ironically, Cardinals looked lost in the first half. And you remember watching that game. You're like, yeah, okay, I mean, if they fix this, then this is understandable. First game, new coach, new quarterback. New coach has never coached in the NFL. But you're still kind of stressed out because you're like, if they don't fix this, we just saw this last year. But Cliff has shown his ability to make adjustments. That is not lost on DeAndre Hopkins. He had this to say. He's able to adjust on the fly uh, with certain play calls. You know, he definitely has a, a great plan going into towards games each week uh, since I've been here. You know, I really can't speak on it too much because I've only been here for two games. But the two games, uh, you know, that I have been here, I know that, uh, you know, we had a great preparation, uh, you know, before. And, you know, when we went out there and, and called the plays, you know, he definitely put us in, in, in great positions to be able to have success with those plays. So, uh, you know, it's it's definitely, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, Cliff calling the plays and, you know, the players got to go out and make it work as well. Uh, one more from, from uh, DeAndre Hopkins here. His, um, he's always going to be asked to compare Deshaun Watson to Kyler Murray. Fair or not, he's going to be asked that. Yeah, I don't compare, um, you know, quarterbacks. I just go out and, and do my job. Uh, but, you know, as you guys can see, Kyler can definitely make plays uh, with his feet and score a lot of touchdowns with his feet. So you definitely have to be uh, prepared to block downfield for a guy like that. Yeah, it's got to be fun to play with a quarterback like that. Offensive lineman. Certainly, anybody on offense. got to be fun on defense, as long as you're on his team, to get to watch it from the sideline, front row view, and then go out there and make defensive plays to help him out. But it's got to be especially fun as a receiver, because you know when a play breaks down, if you get open, he's probably going to find you, and he's going to get better at that. If he doesn't find you, he's going to run past you. So get ready to block. All right, we come back. As I mentioned, this is our last show before the uh, the weekend, so we're going to give you our top five games to watch this weekend. We'll include the Cardinals game 
if it fits our list. And uh, yeah, we're going to revisit that poll too as to, as to who the biggest star in Arizona sports is right now. That's next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Oh, that sound, of course, means it is time for top five. Or bottom five. We've been doing top five a lot since uh, our return last week. There will be some times where we look at the uh, the worst of the worst out there. But right now, we're in optimism mode. That's just the way it is. And so we are going to look at the top five games. We just The ones we most want to watch this weekend in the NFL. Yes. Hopefully, we're going to be uh, having Pac-12 games. I guess we have college games we could mix in. I, but, uh, I have... I. Never really pay enough attention outside the Pac-12 when it comes to college football. Yeah. So I'm not that person that's obsessed with college football Saturday, as many people are. So I went went purely NFL. College football Saturday, I just like to have it there. You know what I mean? And obviously, if there's a big game, if there's LSU, Alabama, I'm going to tune in. I just like to have college football on all day. But I I am, I'm like you in the sense of Pac-12 game, checking it out. I'm checking out Washington State, Oregon State. Partially because I'm in that Pac-12 Fantasy League, but also because it directly impacts ASU. And and there's so many college teams, it's a lot easier to focus just on your conference. I guess I want to know what uh, mascot head Lee Corso is going to put on, but that's about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's college game day. I'm not an animal. Um, Okay. So this is going to be top five games we are most intrigued to see this weekend. Are we taking the Arizona game out of it, or are we we're leaving? No, it in? I think looking at the schedule, I think we agreed it could be left in. There are there are whether some, it makes it or not. Some really compelling games this weekend because, and you'll find this out if you're in a survivor pool and you haven't made your pick yet for this week. It's a lot of the good teams playing each other and the bad teams playing each other. So I'm going to start off. You want me to start? Yes, I'm going to start off. I'm going to have Detroit Arizona fifth. Okay. Um, yeah, watching Detroit not real exciting. Watching Arizona is, though, and, and obviously because it's the local game, that's I'm going to have it on my list. Uh, well, I will say, a couple years ago, it would not have been on my list. <laughs> no, I don't think many people would have put that on their but list. There are some really good ones here. Even when the go. Lions were going for the postseason, I don't think it would have been on the list. Yeah. All right, I have a tie at five because I had a hard time picking one between these two. I've got Texans-Steelers, okay. and I've got Raiders-Pats. Yeah, and I can't really decide which one I liked more, so I went with both because the Raiders are two and zero. Holy smokes! The Texans are zero and two. Yikes! And the Patriots are actually an intriguing team to watch when Cam Newton's running the football. Yeah, yeah. I Raiders Patriots. I wanted to put that on the list. That's the one that got cut for for Cardinals Lions. Um, there's a lot of good games this weekend. Number four on my list, I have two two and O teams: the Rams and the Bills. Ooh, I like that one. And th- look, I fully grant you the final score of this game could be seventeen fourteen. I like the Bills' defense. Uh, we need the Rams to lose at some point, being in the NFC West. But these are two two very interesting teams to me. I don't think either one of them is going to make it to the Super Bowl. I know the Rams did two years ago. But I think they're both legit playoff teams and not a team I'd want to play in the playoffs necessarily. No, I wouldn't want to play either one of these either. Both of those defenses are nightmares. Okay, I went with one of the later in the day games because it seems like this could have been an option for Sunday Night Football, but it wasn't. But I'm going Dem Boys against the Seahawks because 
That is as intri- that as that is as intriguing a matchup for the national audience as there's going to be this weekend. That's your number four game. My number four. Okay. Well, let's keep talking about because it it's my number three game. Okay. Um, Seattle should win, right? Dallas should, they should be one win. and two. Yeah. If this- Russell Wilson throws five touchdowns again, they're going to win. This is what's frustrating if you don't like the Cowboys, and I don't like the Cowboys. Even if they go one and two, look at their division. They'll still be in first it's place. Garbage. I mean, it is unbelievable. Washington is in second place. Washington was a, was almost in first place at one and one. I mean, Dallas should have lost last week. I do think Dallas has Dallas is a fun team to watch this year, so that's why that game is number three on my list because we also need Seattle to lose. Russell Wilson's fun to watch. Um, that that to me is absolutely must see TV. Yes, Dallas and Seattle. That's my number three. So. Speaking of what could have been Sunday night football, how about Sunday night football with Packers and Saints? And I think this will be a a lot of people are already under the assumption that Drew Brees is done in New Orleans. I don't buy that just yet. Not when they're playing at home. And aside the fact that the Packers offense has looked stellar for two weeks. Like, what is it? Two consecutive weeks of more than 40 points scored? Yeah, That's insane. Yeah, and I do love the idea. Certain certain athletes just play better with a chip on their shoulder, and we'll continue because this is my number two game. So <laughs> it's like your list is one off of mine. But yeah, Packers uh, Saints is my number two game because New Orleans at home they might might get Michael Thomas back for this game. Maybe um, a lot of people think New Orleans is a Super Bowl team. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers plays with the chip on his shoulder better than anybody in any sport. Yes. Uh, Michael Jordan, obviously the all-time great at this particular aspect of being a professional athlete, but Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's done his whole career. And I just, you and I talked about this last week. I, I don't understand where the narrative came from where you're looking up in the 15th round of your fantasy draft and Aaron Rodgers is still there. And people are talking about Jordan Love being the next big thing. Green Bay, Green Bay made the NFC Championship last year. Aaron Rodgers is not easily. done. Yeah. So, yeah, Green Bay, New Orleans... That's going to be a fun one. I kind of think New Orleans wins at home because maybe just because they need it more. But Aaron Jones has 230 rushing yards and like 75 touchdowns already. So I'm realizing that other than number five, we picked the exact same games for our top four. But I put that 2-0-2-0 matchup at number two between Rams-Bills. I actually think that it has a lot more to look forward to than the other games. The other games are national intrigue, right? Yeah. But we're talking about... One of these teams between the Bills and your division rival is going to go 3-0. and Rams, right? Rams-Bills, yes. Rams-Bills, I think, is a is is a very good game. And like I said, it's on my list. But that is a... It's an acquired taste. Like, any casual sports fan can flip on Dallas and Seattle and be like, all right, here's the Cowboys and they're against Russell Wilson, Dak and Russ. Or, okay, here's Aaron Rodgers versus Drew Brees, Sunday Night Football. Uh, the game, I'm sure we both have number one. We'll get to in a second. But Rams, Bills, like you got to be an NFL fan. You got to look there yeah. and say, wait a minute, Buffalo could be three and zero. If anybody's going to unseat the Patriots in that division, it's obviously them. It's not going to be Miami or the Jets. Um, but hey, the Rams are two and zero. And the thing with the Rams is like everybody looked at them after last season. They're like, well, oh, flash in the pan that year they went to the Super Bowl. They still won nine games last year. And this is still a battle between two solid defenses mm-hmm. ahead of those offenses. Yeah. And. This could be a breakout game for Josh Allen. I could see it happening. Buffalo might might have, I guess they don't have Baltimore's defense, but they're a top three defense. And then the Rams, very underrated, I think, defensively, which is crazy when you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey 
All right, so should we say number one at the same time, then? We can. Uh, Monday Night Football got it right this week. And if you haven't looked at the schedule yet, go ahead and clear Monday night out, because it's Lamar Jackson wait, and Patrick Mahomes. Wait, wait, wait. I had Broncos Bucks. Oh, uh, well, then you, sir, are going to be <laughs> no, very I'm disappointed. Kidding. I also had Chiefs Ravens. Yeah. Um, How do you pass that up? From I'm sorry. Baltimore. It's, um... What do you think? You think high scoring or low scoring there? I kind of think they're just going to start trading touchdowns in the I, second half. I think, if anything, Baltimore's defense is way better than Kansas City's. Yeah. But can Baltimore's defense tame the cheetah? Can Baltimore's defense... Who's the sl- cheetah? Tyreek Hill. Oh, okay. That's his nickname. Well, I just I hadn't heard tame the cheetah before. Well... I, 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 it's my fault. I thought you were going with I'm that. Trying, I'm trying to have a play on words okay, here. I don't know how often Ravens can tame cheetahs. <laughs> I, would, I would guess no, no, early. No. I, I still think that the Ravens have the better defense, so if one team does have the edge in the end, I still think it's Baltimore. Yeah, um, that's going to be a real tough one to pick. But I do think that we are going to see... I just think we're going to get the second half. It's, it, you know, ego or pride or whatever is going to take over and... Lamar's going to do something, and Mahomes going to answer. And Mahomes going to do something, and Lamar's going to answer. I agree with you. Baltimore's defense is probably the best in the NFL, and if anybody can stop the Chiefs, although I guess the Chargers kind of did last week, but uh, but if anybody can do it, it's Baltimore's defense. But I just think because they have Lamar, and you're talking about the two premier quarterbacks in the NFL right now, with all due respect to Russell Wilson, they're... Lamar and Patrick Mahomes are the ones sharing all the hype right now. So they're going to be fighting for it uh, on Monday night. And look, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. They deserved it. To me, they were the best all-around team. It's easy to say now. I think most people were saying it last year, too. But you know Baltimore feels like they were the best team last year. Remember that Monday night game two years ago when the Rams played the Chiefs? Yeah. And it was nothing yes. but high-octane yeah. offense? Yes. This is round two. That's, that's like We're going to get this, this again. And the Chiefs are the one returning. Didn't they score 100 points in that game? Yes. I think, I think it was like 57 points. to 54 or something like that. <laughs> it's funny. if you What's the over-under? The over-under on this game is 54.5, which I believe is pretty high. Um, That's well above average. Yeah. For, for context, let me just... A random game. Bengals-Eagles. The over-under is 46. And neither one of those teams has the defense Baltimore has. No. Not like Kansas City's defense is bad either. But that's just so much respect for these two quarterbacks. But yeah, Chiefs-Rams... A couple years ago, I'm trying to pull it up, but I believe they, they, I'm pretty sure they cracked 100 in that one. And uh, 54 51, the final, the Rams won that game. All right, that is top five. We come back, we're going to hear from Dave Pash, get his thoughts on the first two games of this Cardinal season and what to expect in week three. That is next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Dave passed on with Doug and Wolf this morning. We figured with everything going on, we should probably give you a little bit of an update uh, on the playoff picture in all three of the other sports. So, uh, quick update. Miami leads Boston 82-80, about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter of that one. Miami trying to go up 3-1 in that series. They have been quite the story of the NBA bubble. I mean, they were obviously a good team going into the bubble, but uh, a chance now to go to the NBA Finals, not tonight. They can't lock it up tonight, but this is obviously a very pivotal game. If Boston wins, it's 2-2, and Boston has won two in a row, and they're getting more contributions from Gordon Hayward now, so you feel like they would feel pretty good about themselves. Miami's been pretty good at putting teams away so far uh, in this tournament. Hayward has 12 points tonight. Jason Tatum leading the way for Boston with 18. 
Jimmy Butler, 17. Uh, Tyler Hero, 25 points leading all scorers in this one off the bench for Miami. And Bam has 16 for the Heat. NHL Game 3 of the Stanley Cup. They This is kind of a fight behind the net right now. There's two minutes left in the game. Tampa Bay is up 5-2 on Dallas. Tampa Bay is going to go up 2-1 in that series. Steven Stamkos came back, played the first period, scored a goal, and I have not seen him since. Hey, I know. don't count out Dallas. They are known for their comebacks in this postseason. They absolutely are. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would not count any. I guess if the Celtics go down 3-1, you can count them out. Denver, L.A., real quick. How are you feeling about the Nuggets? Because I would say... With the series the way it is, and they could have won game two. I mean, they could be up in this series. And they looked really, really good yesterday. They they almost blew it at the end, but they held, which is, I think, far more important than them making it a close game or as close as it was in the final four minutes. Yeah. Was the fact that they were able to stay separated yeah. for not only the last couple minutes, but a majority of the game. They had control, which was... Huge what, to see. What's your as a Nuggets fan as you are? What is there's a lot of Lakers haters out there listening right now. So what is your confidence level scale one to ten that Denver can come back and win the series? I mean, if they play a complete game like they did yesterday, they could make it seven. I don't see them taking it in six. As as they're prone to do, they're the kind of team to win it in the seventh game, don't you think? Yeah, I just don't see LeBron losing the game seven right now. Not right now. Not not with not with him and Anthony Davis. But uh, <laughs> okay, maybe a game seven. But if it was like a game six, because he lost a few of those against uh, Golden State. Oh yeah, he? no, absolutely. He he has lost them in the past, which is where most uh, most who believe Jordan is the better player of all time will point to Jordan's record in the NBA Finals, and they'll point to LeBron's uh, in in. It was Jordan's, like, they went on the run, they didn't even go to a Game 7 in the NBA Finals. Wasn't that it? I mean, it was just on a complete When tear. it ended against Utah in 98, Okay, you mean? Yeah, no, just the Yeah, the that run, was Game 6. The, yeah, the, in any of his NBA Finals. I don't believe any of them went to seven games. Maybe I'm mixing this up now, but so, I believe Jordan... The, the one against the Sonics was rather that quick. That was six. That was six. I remember that. Um, then there was Portland. I don't believe any of those went seven. Um, yeah. Major League Baseball, real quick here. Because the season is going to wrap up. The playoffs are going to start next week. And it's so different this year. Eight teams from each league making it, which I remember hearing. I remember being on the air, I think, with Vince that day. It was like, oh, yeah, eight teams from uh, from each league are going to make it. So, oh, basically everybody. Well, no, not the Diamondbacks. Uh, but we do have some teams locking up spots. We'll start in the National League. Four of them are set. The Dodgers are 39-16. and 16. They have the best record. The Padres are in. The Cubs are in. The Braves are in. So we've still got... Most teams have about four games left and still four spots up for grabs. St. Louis, Miami, Cincinnati, and San Francisco currently hold those other spots. Essentially what would happen is is it looks like either St. Louis or Cincinnati is going to get that second central spot. Miami... How did we get to a point where Miami's making the playoffs? Remember, they didn't play for the first three weeks of the season. And whenever they make the playoffs, they never win the division. But when they make the playoffs, they win the World Series. And then so, they sell all their pieces the next year. I don't know if Miami knows? has a lot of pieces they can sell next year. It's it's between St. Louis and Cincy for that second central spot, in my opinion. Milwaukee is a couple games behind them. And then with Miami and Philadelphia, that's your east spot. I think the Mets are too far out of it at this point. The Giants are clinging on by a thread, and they do not have the easiest road ahead of them to get that 
It's going to be the eighth spot, well, if I had to predict. In the American League, six of the eight are set. Tampa Bay has won the East. The Yankees are in two. The White Sox, Twins, and Indians all in from the Central. And the A's have locked up the West. So, I mean, noticeably absent from that list of guaranteed-to-make-it teams, Boston, who's guaranteed to have one of the worst records in baseball, uh, but Houston is not in yet. Now, Houston's probably going to get in. They're 28-28, and 28, and... It doesn't really look like anybody's going to catch him, but wouldn't that be a great story if the Astros missed the playoffs after everything they did? This could change in a day or two, but Detroit still has a chance to make the wild card spot. They're currently at 22 and 31. How do they still have a chance? Uh, I wish I knew. I, Detroit, I don't think Detroit can make it. I think mathematically they are eliminated. Just it wouldn't make sense. Detroit. But Houston's going to get in, and Toronto or Buffalo or wherever they're playing this week, they may uh, they may be able to sneak in in the American League as well. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Haven't played this game since February. More or less is next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. All right, it is time now for More or Less. We are each going to throw a topic at each other with a number, and it's a very simple game. I'm going to throw a number and a statement at Mitch. He's got to go more or less. Very basic. It's almost like over-under. Hold on, I'm not prepared. Can you re-explain the rules again? So, so like, you have a number, and I say, is this going to happen? And you're like, it's going to happen more than that number or less than that number. Oh, okay. No other way I can explain this game. All right, so you want to If there was another way to explain the game, I'd be a little concerned. More or less than three ways I can explain this game. Boo. Um, you going to ask first or answer? I can ask first. All right, do it. You went first in the last game. I did. All right, so I'll start with a football one. We've talked about this man a few times tonight and kind of building a repertoire for an MVP season this year, but just how many more or less? So the question, Kyler Murray MVPs in his career. Oh, this is good. More or less... One and a half. It's a good number, too, because the other key to a more or less is you got to set the right number. You can have the right question, but then have some stupid number, and it ruins the game. I'm, I'm a pro at stupid numbers, so. One and a half. I definitely think he gets one. Not often do many NFL players win two, though. No. Man, I don't want to take less. I definitely think he gets at least one. I don't think he gets more than two. It's... The thing is, his career is going to overlap almost entirely with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Like, There's this whole new group of great quarterbacks coming right. into the league. It's like Devin Booker with all of the shooting guards in his current era. I'm going to go over. I think he can get Ooh. two. I think he can get two. Okay. Doesn't mean I think he's a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. I think yes, Mahomes, it does. I think Mahomes will have it's more than two. It's the most valuable player. Uh, Mahomes will have more than two in, in this scenario. All right, what do you got? Uh, over under one and a half NBA teams located by the ocean in the finals this year. So that would mean either Los Angeles or Miami or both. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? Well, I guess Boston's I, in there technically too. Technically, yeah. Boston is too. Oof. Well, I guess the max would be two. Well, yeah, because you can't have three teams in there anyway. <laughs> You said one and a half? Yes. I'll take less. I think at least one of them gets in. I can't see a scenario where if it's L.A. Well, you're basically picking L.A. Oh. versus Denver. I was just trying to trick you into picking that series. Wow. I know how much it means to you. Okay. Yeah. So then Unless that Denver's would mean by the ocean. a team goes to the east 
a team comes from the east and then Denver gets in. Yeah. That's a that's a winning scenario for me, isn't it? I, I guess I don't really even know what your answer was. Was it? I don't live by an less? ocean. I'll take I'll t- I'll take I'll take realistically I'll take more then. We should have played uh, Frank Ocean while we did this segment. No, okay, because that doesn't make sense to the name of the game. Oh, all right, all right. Next, sticking with basketball, we'll go local. Devin Booker, he just really, really wants to make the playoffs, doesn't he? Yes. But how many times in his career? And that doesn't necessarily mean it'll all be with the Suns. When I ask Devin Booker playoff appearances in career, more or less. Three and a half times. Oh, more. More. You think more than yeah, three times? more. Yeah, because I mean, what? He's 23. You figure he can play at a high level for at least another dozen years, I would say. he probably hang on for a few years after that if you wanted to. Yeah, over three and a half. You know what? I'll do it one better. Well, I want to wait. And what, see you got a on. number of your I, own? I, no, I was going to say over three and a half with the Suns, but I want to see how long he stays on the oh, Suns. Oh, okay. Definitely over three and a half. And I do think if you push me on it, He'll hit over three and a half with the Suns. Okay. I think. Over three and a half playoff appearances. Okay. I buy it. Uh, okay. NFL. More or less 999.5 rushing yards for Kyler Murray. Can he do 1,000 this season? Uh, I mean, he consistently leads the team in rushing each game, so I'll take more with uh, that one. I don't think it's impossible, and the teams can't seem to stop him. He's on pace for 1,264 right now, which is more than Lamar Jackson had last year. But Kyler also had 544 all of last season. So We keep going back to this upcoming stretch of games and how they could go 5-0. and Well, do we think those defenses are going to limit him to under 100 yards? Um... I you know it's weird. I think game flow determines more if he goes over or under 100 yards in any of these games because we saw against I mean San Francisco's the team he ran for essentially 100 yards on. That's the other thing with him when they when he takes a knee four or five yards behind the line of scrimmage he's losing four or five yards at a time. So you have to factor that in too. But right, okay, all right. My Wait, next one. You went more right? Yes, I okay. went more. Um, we'll stay NFL uh, specifically the division. And we talked about with the expanded playoffs, there's a chance that three teams from this division could actually make it to the postseason. More or less, NFC West teams to make the playoffs this year, two and a half. Uh, More. More. You think it's going to be three? Yeah, I do. If San Francisco wasn't so beat up, I wouldn't even rule out four, honestly. Yeah. Because the NFC East isn't getting more than one team, or they certainly don't deserve it. Um... We talked about this the other night. Like, I think Atlanta could still get back in the race. I, I think we're going to see one team from those other two divisions. The NFC East is only getting one. We're going to see two from either the, the north or the south. But, yeah, I think the West, I just think the West is going to beat up everybody else. And their losses are going to come in division. Yeah. And they've clearly got the talent to be able to hang with the rest of that conference, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, college football. Ooh. Operating under the... Well, you know what? You can work it into your answer. Over, under five and a half wins for ASU this season. We don't know for sure there's going to be a season. We don't know if there's going to be seven games. And we don't, we don't know, know how many games. Eight games. Yeah. You can go ahead and factor the bowl game into there, too, potentially. I mean, it's going to be weird them getting into a bowl. Right? It's going to be weird if a Pac-12 team is making the bowl going four and three. I'm going to I'm gonna look at it with some optimism. I'm going to say more under the assumption that they're going to get at least eight games in this season. Okay. And I'd be shocked if they don't win five of those eight. Okay. At least. But that would still be under. So I'd give them six. Okay. At least out of those eight. Okay. Because we keep talking about how terrible this conference is. 
and say they play the entire South and then a couple teams from the North, I think the South is a lot weaker than the North. It's going to just depend who they play, too. I mean, that's right. going to be a big part of it. I'm still optimistic, no matter how many games they get. Okay. They could get at least six wins. All right. Um, general life question. Okay. You, okay. I should clarify. Do you like chocolate chip cookies? I mean, I don't hate them. I'm not a monster. Okay. There are but, other desserts I like more. But, but yeah. you still, like, if a chocolate chip cookie was given to you, or if you had the option for one, you would eat it. You're not, like, allergic or anything. No. <clears throat> the chocolate chip cookies you would eat in one sitting. I've never had a More question. or less one and a half. Never had a question with an allergy uh, warning attached to it. Before. I don't want to ask the question and then you say, oh, I'm allergic. Then my answer would something. be less. Uh... Check, chocolate chip cookies in one sitting, more than more, more or less, or less one, and, one a half. and a half. More. Okay. <laughs> Who can eat only one? I it, just wanted to make sure that you're the type of person I thought you were. Once you once you break that barrier, and you've eaten the first one, I mean, you might go for ten. It depends who made the cookies and how big they are. That's true. Uh, I'm going to stick with football. My last one. Okay. More or less 115.5 catches for DeAndre Hopkins this season. 115.5 or 115 is his career high. I mean, I was already aiming high when we talked about it last week, so I'll go over or yeah. more, more yes. over, greater than. He's well, yeah, we should above. Let's call this greater than or less than next week when we do it. <laughs> uh, he's on pace for 176. So I was not going to get that, but uh, it is remarkable how. How these are video game numbers that he and, and Kyler are putting up so far when you start to try and figure out what they're on pace for. With Kyler being on pace for 1,264 rushing yards and Hopkins being on pace for 176 catches. I'll tell you what, if both those things happen, Kyler's winning the MVP because he... How could he not? Yeah, I mean, he's he's got to complete those 176 passes. Uh, Miami leads Boston 95-89, about five minutes left in the fourth quarter there. Tyler Hero is having quite the game. Tampa Bay defeated Dallas in the Stanley Cup tonight, so that uh, series is now 2-1 Tampa. And we ran through some of the baseball stuff for you before we wrap up. I do just kind of want to go back to some of Mike Hazen's comments saying he still believes in this group going forward. And, you know, there's the thought out there. And, and Mitch, I think you you have some of this. And I think a lot of people agree that they started to tinker with their core to a certain extent by trading away... Archie Bradley and Starling Marte at the deadline. Yes. If you're Mike Hayes in this offseason, we don't have a whole lot of time left in the show, but it, so we don't need to get into details, but are you are you looking at this and saying, this is a terrible season, we have to make some big changes, or are you more so, I think this is the path I'd be in, it was a nine-week season. A three-week slump buries you in a nine-week season. Let's start next season essentially with what we have, maybe tinker a little bit, and kind of evaluate on the fly next season. I'm just very, very worried about the flexibility that they're going to have for next year because Madison Bumgarner is getting a pay increase, and they can't exactly get rid of him that easy because I think a lot of the teams are looking at what kind of production he was able to provide this year, which was not a lot because he was hurt. And then when he was pitching, it would be four or five innings of really good pitching and then it just fell off the face of the earth i don't know what they're going to be able to do with the budget they have that's a real problem i mean if you want to look at next season you want to say how do the diamondbacks make the playoffs next season first of all remember it's not going to be eight teams from each league making the playoffs next season we're going to go back to five 
and they have a lot of money tied up in Madison Bumgarner. He, they need production from him if they want to make the playoffs next season. It starts with him because you are absolutely committed to him next year. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks to Mitch Vereldis behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.